Good morning. You're still in your pajamas. Good morning. It's good to be with you. It's good uh, to think of you, to imagine you in your homes, perhaps uh, all together as a family. And uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12, and I'm going to read through 21. And I'd like to read that to you right now. I want you to know, brothers, that what, he, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Nothing beats a good example. An example shows me how. And I need that. It shows me how I can do it, how I can copy what's right, what works, what's best. This last uh, Wednesday, I, at the office, was trying to access an online copy of our directory to make some phone calls. We've uh, kind of established a, a directory that we can mark off those we've called so we aren't just repeating the same ones and we'll keep moving to, to new families and people. But I didn't know how to access it, so I asked Shonda if she would show me how. And from a distance, six feet at least, she stood <laughs> to the side of me and she point by point showed me what I needed to click and what I needed to do because I'd never worked in that particular program before. In 2005, in fact it was April 5th, 2005, I flew to Reading 
way up north in California to see my dear friend Barth Campbell. Barth died a week later to the day of malignant melanoma cancer. The Cessna 206 was piloted by Gary Truitt. Somebody had so graciously uh, provided a pilot and a plane so that I could get up there and get back in a, in a single day. Gary Truitt is a corporate pilot, an advanced instructor of aviation, and an FAA flight safety officer. And all the way up there, just the two of us, he talked to me about what goes into flying the plane, showing, the in, showing me the instruments and a number of other things. When we landed, I spent the day with Barth. We arranged, uh, Gary and I had arranged to meet back at the airport at, at a fixed time. And when I showed up, I started to get in on the passenger side of the plane. And Gary said, no, I, I want you to sit in the pilot's seat. So I went around and sat in the pilot's seat. I said, uh, what now? And he said to me, he said, uh, I want you to fly the plane home, take off to landing. Well, true, I, I, I was experienced in flying in a plane, not the plane. Gary gave me the benefit of all his knowledge. And of course, I had complete trust in his experienced uh, piloting. So I followed what he said. I did what he showed me. I trusted literally my life to him, even as he trusted his life to me. There's great value in an example, an example that shows us what's right, what works, and what's best. Remember, we used to uh, have bracelets, or we would say the slogan, WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's still relevant, even if the fad is somewhat passe. And the interesting thing is that Paul got it. Paul said, imitate me even as I imitate Christ. What Paul wants the Philippian church and the Visalian church to imitate is his example even as he imitates Christ. He wants to show us through word and deed how we can do what we need to do in a way that's right and that works and that's best. There's an interesting example uh, in this letter of Paul that is not easily seen. It's not on the surface. In this letter, one of the examples is that of Epaphroditus. And the interesting thing is that this letter that you hold, so to speak, in your hands as you hold a Bible before you, this letter was carried by Epaphroditus from where Paul was incarcerated in prison back 
to Philippi and to the church that had sent Epaphroditus to be with Paul. It's interesting because Paul is an example of thanksgiving among many other forms of example. And it's interesting that the letter is filled with specific thanks that he dots the letter with because he is grateful for the things that the Philippian church have sent him, provided for him. But the thing that is most exciting to Paul is his relationship that he has enjoyed in incarceration with Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus joined him there, sent by the church. Epaphroditus was a lifeline of the church to Paul. And in his letter, as I said, he itemizes those things, but it's Epaphroditus that he calls his brother, his co-worker, his comrade in arms for the gospel, and even minister to my need in chapter 2, verse 25. For Paul, life was better with this colleague and friend named Epaphroditus. And not just Epaphroditus alone, but he represented the community of friends that he was there in name. But their time together was cut short because Epaphroditus fell ill. And so ill was he that Paul tells us he almost died. And so in this time of personal need, Paul made the difficult choice to cut off from a material, social, and emotional lifetime lifeline this relationship with Epaphroditus because he loved Epaphroditus, because he cared about Epaphroditus' welfare. He loved this friend, and he wanted to do what was best for him, and so he sent him home with this letter to be with his church because his community needed Epaphroditus as well. Paul is an example for our time. His example only lives, only exists, only matters if we imitate and emulate it. Emulation perpetuates an example. Emulation brings an example to life when it is copied, when it is followed. It's, it's almost like just bringing it into life. Something that wasn't there is there, and it multiplies, and it's a form of reproduction. And it really is the name, if you will, or a synonym for the community of believers and the spread of the gospel. Our big idea here in Philippians, the whole letter, but I see it especially here, is that we are to emulate Paul emulate him as he emulates Christ. And when we emulate him, we become an example. We imitate Christ. We become living copies and so examples of heavenly citizenship 
that earthly citizens need as well as heavenly citizens. There are three things we can emulate Paul in here in this uh, passage of scripture I read. His arithmetic, his attitude, and his attachment. We see his uh, arithmetic in verses 12 through 14, the way he calculates things, the way he considers, uh, adds them, subtracts them, and even multiplies them. He says, what's happening to me has really served to advance the good news. That's a calculation. And what allows him to see that, to make that addition, that multiplication, is Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, my chains are for Christ. What that refers to is not only his imprisonment, but the very fact that he was chained at all times. And on hourly shifts, four-hour shifts, we, we believe, uh, watches that were uh, switched, he had a soldier chained him. That's why he represents or reflects on the spread of the gospel through the Praetorian Guard. And just imagine being shackled to Paul for four hours. Do you think he would be a downer, a discouragement, whine? No, he used that opportunity to encourage, to strengthen that soldier in the name of Jesus Christ. And his name, Jesus' name, did spread, as Paul says, throughout the guard and all else. So he's building a reputation precisely because he's in prison and he has this wonderful opportunity. And the coronavirus presents us with such an opportunity as well. Some of us feel, feel incarcerated. We're, uh, you know, stuck. I got a kick out of a guy who tweeted the floor plan of a house and he said, uh, we're planning a vacation, where should we go? Sometimes it can feel like a prison, but setbacks can be stepping stones. The future can look grim, but with Christ in our calculations, we see the Lord there as well as in the present. And with the Lord, there are opportunities, always opportunities. We know they will be there because the Lord will be there even if we can't see them now. Tomorrow's math right now is hard to do. The good old days are yesterdays in our rearview mirror. But Jesus is our constant, our true number COVID-19 gives us a chance as a church and like Paul to know the sufficiency of Jesus and to show that sufficiency in all the ways that God presents to us. Authenticity shines brightest in adversity. In verse 10, which was uh, we talked a little bit about last week, when he when he gave, wrote out, so to speak, his, his prayer for the Philippians, 
in verses 9, 10, and 11. He prays that our love would grow richer and richer. It just continue to abound in knowledge and sincerity. That word for sincerity is so interesting because it's made up of two words, son and judge. And the implication is that things are tested by sunlight. Bring it into the sun. Let's see what it really looks like. That's sincerity. And sincerity shines in adversity when it's authentic in the Lord, when it comes from love, the love that we know through Jesus Christ. Paul says, it's not my circumstances that make me. It's Christ in me. And that's a tested thing. Tested by sunlight. A second thing beside arithmetic is attitude. Paul's arithmetic with Christ and Paul's attitude through Christ. No matter what you throw at me, I'll turn it into blessing, a delight, something praiseworthy, something admirable. That was actually written by a Stoic who was a contemporary of Paul. Another wrote, the truly magnanimous and constant soul reveals itself in its behavior under disasters and misfortune. Paul is an extraordinary man. He's an extraordinary Christian. He, he lives up to those kind of shining words about exceptional people. But the extraordinary and encouraging thing is, is that Paul, as extraordinary as he is, he's really a very ordinary Christian. Paul would say, it's not me, it's Christ in me. And we who think that we can, you know, rise up and be strong just in our own self-will or our own attitude will fail. It's that moment-by-moment moment faith walk in Jesus Christ. Paul certainly matches those descriptions, glowing as they are. But instead of a few rarefied heroes that they were talking about, Paul says we can all live this way in Jesus Christ. And we know that people have lived and died in just such a way. When I was a pilot that one day back in April, thanks to Gary at my side, the number one instrument I was to keep my eye on was the attitude indicator. It shows the pilot in all conditions, uh, sunshine, fog, rain, light, dark, all conditions, it shows the pilot the plane's true orientation to the horizon. Even if I couldn't see the ground, if I kept my eye on the attitude indicator, I was aware of the nose of the plane and whether it was pitched upward or downward, whether it was going up or down. 
And the same is true of you and me, just like the nose of that plane. If we keep our eyes on Christ, we'll have our nose pitched upward. We'll be oriented properly to the horizon of life in Christ. If we ask Paul how he maintained his attitude, what do you think he would tell us? Well, he tells us in verse 16, I was put here. Who does that sound like? It sounds like Joseph. Remember, after all he went through, he said, God, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God means these things for good in our lives. Paul firmly believed that. We're all familiar with Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. We keep the nose of our lives pitched perfect when we keep our eyes on our attitude indicator. Keep our eyes on Jesus. And the third thing that can help us emulate and then be examples ourselves worthy of copying, we can emulate Paul and recognize Paul's attachment to Christ in verses 19 through 21 in particular. To live is Christ, to die is gain. In this hour of social distancing, there are no usual suspects. We don't know who has it and who doesn't. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know Jesus who holds our future. And that's the most important attachment when we're so detached. To live is Christ. If we're fearful, and in the scale of our fear, we find that the weight is tipped by fear of losses, then it may be that gradually and subtly and unintentionally, the real Jesus has been exchanged for a different one. Jesus alone has been exchanged for Jesus plus something, Jesus and something, Jesus also something. That's probably truer for us all than any of us want to admit. Even as I wrote these things, I was thinking about that in my own life. Our hearts often become devoted to things other than Jesus. It may be the upside of the coronavirus that it will reveal to us again that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It will remind us that Jesus is not the express lane to the good life. He is the good life. And it will remind us what Paul did in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, when he said, as you received him, so live in him. All of us, when we turn to Christ, turn from everything else. Judd Wilhite tweeted the other day, 
and I saw it, and I wrote it down. If you feed your faith, you will starve your fears. That's true. If your faith is in the right person, Jesus Christ. He also says here in verse 21, to die is gain. I learned on Friday, Gary Truitt, the pilot, who turned me into a pilot for a day. Gary Truitt died this very month, a week ago. I learned that on Thursday. I wanted to double check some of his credentials, so I Googled him. Gary Truitt, Visalia, and I got his, uh, his obituary. I hated to lose him. He's such a, I have such a strong memory of him, a fond one. That one-day example made a lasting impact on me. We have one moment, one hour, one day, and sometimes lifetime opportunities to be examples, to have an impact on others. Whether they will emulate us or not, that's not up to us. But we, when we emulate Christ, when we emulate Paul and others that can show us how, we become copies, we become examples. And that emulation spreads. I also learned on Thursday that Francis Collins turned to Christ as an atheist when he was a graduate student. He was stirred by a cancer patient's faith that he was attending as a doctor. He said that that ca cancer patient made him think about death because she was, she was handling the hardships of her treatment as well as facing death with just a sense of confidence and peace that he had not experienced. She talked to him because he kept asking her questions about her faith. And then she said, you've listened to me talk about my faith, but you never say anything. What do you believe? Today, Francis Collins is a strong voice for Jesus Christ in a very prominent position. Who is Francis Collins, you may ask? He's the director of the National Institutes of Health. He's one of the most widely respected physician and geneticists, having his MD and his PhD in the world. He's one of the most uh, deeply involved in containing the coronavirus pandemic. Anthony Fauci, who you always hear on the radio and see uh, on television, he's the face of the battle against the coronavirus and arguably the world's leading infectious disease specialist. Well, Anthony Fauci works for Collins at the NIH and is a close friend. I'm also reminded this week of Marilyn Venema, my mother who died at 45,
whose faith in the marching weeks that led to her death made me see Jesus as the Lord of life and death. I still seek to emulate her. I still think of how she would do things or how she might handle things that I faced, knowing that she faced things far hard, harder than the things I faced. People can be an ongoing inspiration in your life, even when you're apart, because you emulate Christ, you become an example that makes an impact, that has a life, a long life, wherever you are emulated. The best things in life are not things. Like Paul, I just want to encourage us in whatever our situation, even if we're sequestered, let's be working on emulating Christ. Maybe this, this time of additional inactivity is a part of a time for us to, to grow deeper in our silence, our reflection, our meditation, our prayer, our time with the Lord. And let's be hopeful because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and all our tomorrows. He'll be there, and so will we in Christ. Let's emulate him. Let me, uh, let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, how precious you are to us. Paul called upon the help of your spirit. He said he could do things that seemed beyond possibility or probability, but he could do them in the help of your spirit. Father, may we lean on your spirit, breathe your spirit as we seek to emulate you, emulate Paul, emulate the best of us in Christ and become examples of your great love and the good news of Jesus Christ. In his matchless name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Mwah. Hugs.